guys, Nolar here, back with another 5-9 Gaming movie review. Um, look, we've already done one movie review before with the Pokemon video. It's linked in the description below. Uh, but now we're doing Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, since it just came out about like three, four days ago, uh, we all had a chance to take a look at it. And we were all pretty hyped because I think for the most part, we have a good cons uh, consensus that the first one was really good. And we were hoping this, this one here would be good as well. So let's get started. Um, I've got Alec Hunter here. Why don't you say hello? Hi. Uh, Lethal's here. What up? The pirate himself, Nas Durachi. Avid comic book movie fan. So this will be an interesting discussion. What's going on, everybody? Uh, we got Sly. And of course, the man himself, Hydros. What's going on, everybody? All right. So we'll just start off from the top. You know, we all saw it. It's what two hours and like thirty-four minutes with like a mid-credit scene um, at the end. And uh, what do we all think? Let's start off with Alec. I mean, I really think there's a good like hour and forty-five to two-hour movie in here. But like you said, its runtime is like over two, two and a half. I mean, I don't think it would have been as generally disappointing to me if maybe it would have had another pass through the editing room. Okay. Yeah, it was it was definitely yeah. a bit too lengthy for the amount of actual content the movie provided. There were probably some scenes that could have been cut down, uh namely the the most infringing one which we might come back to later be the the scene during the car chase with the tanks where she all of a sudden has to swoop ahead and get the children CGI dummies tumbling out of the roadway. Like some stuff like that could have been cut out. Probably entire scenes altogether could have been cut out and the movie would have been still like a functional narrative and more tolerably short. Yeah, I, I agree that I feel like um I feel like for me personally, uh this couldn't this couldn't do better than One Woman One for me. I think I still enjoyed the first one way more than I enjoyed this one. But I feel like for me personally, there was just a lot of like questionable things, a lot of like maybe some plot holes, some things where I was just, you know, confused about how there wasn't any like actual like in character like you know actual like just like thinking about like what just kind of happened like i don't know if you want to go to specifics but like example was like you know the whole steve how steve came back it kind of bothers me how they kind of like didn't really go into deep about that it was kind of just like oh he's back like let's just treat it like it's nothing and just go with it kind of and there's like a couple examples of that throughout the movie where i was just like mm. Couple of things where I'm I'm super questionable, and it's just like uh, again, movie wasn't like overall terrible, but a lot of things where I'm like I'm surprised, like that's uh surprised I kind of went through the way that it did. Okay, uh, Sly. Um, honestly, yeah, I still stand by what I said last night as we were uh minorly discussing this. That I feel like this was not supposed to be as long as it was in theaters. I feel like that they extended it a little bit because it was both theaters and HBO. Uh, I haven't seen it in theaters, obviously, so they might have both. Uh, I did browse Twitter like after we all like got off, and like people were just tweeting about the movie, and even Patty Jenkins herself said that there were definitely some scenes that were more meant for theaters than for streaming on HBO. So th something seemed a bit off or weird, but uh, overall, it was enjoyable. But yeah, it's not what the first one was at all. There are some things that bother me, like how he actually came back. I don't necessarily agree with that, but it is what it is. And we'll just hopefully they fix it for the third one. 
Yeah, we'll talk about the third one coming up soon. Um, Hydros, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I generally agree with everybody that the the movie had scenes that probably didn't need to be there. They could have cut them out entirely or it just shortened the scenes. Uh, there's one specific that stands out to me is when she's like getting him like to dress and stuff like that after he comes back and they're setting out the clothes and him trying them on and stuff. I'm like, they could have probably condensed that down to like her just throwing like a like a, like a uh, stuff on the bed for him. And he's like, ah, nah, I'm going to do something else. And then they're out in the, you know, they go to the next scene, right? They could have done something really short like that, but still had a little bit of a slight comedic effect afterwards. But uh, I felt like that they tried a little too hard to do it. And then also, as you know, Sly said, this some scenes did feel like this was not meant for like a theatrical release type thing. And it was meant for like, <laughs> and it was meant for, uh, like a, like bonus scenes kind of felt like some of these things were. It felt like a bonus type scene that you would see on a DVD almost. That's just me. Mm. Yeah, I, I think, and this is something that I might do a little bit on and off throughout the course of this review, is uh, make comparisons to Marvel Cinematic Universe. But since we're talking about Steve, and in the Marvel Universe, there's also a Steve who comes back from the past, a.k.a. Captain America, we could discuss the fact that Marvel arguably handled the re-immersion of, of Steve in Marvel, like Captain America, his coming to terms with the fact that he awoke in a world that's like 40 to 60 years past what he's used to. I don't know. I think they handled it on the Marvel side a lot better. It was kind of almost dismissed as a joke in this movie. Like they used it just for some cheap laughs like what hydro said with the trying on clothes there was another scene where they're just like walking around and he doesn't understand the difference between like modern art and a trash can and it, it just felt like they did that for a lot of cheap laughs whereas when you compare it to captain america handled much more differently and uh i don't want to use the word realistic too much since these are comic book movies but it's easier to suspend your disbelief and to level with the captain america side because i feel like his reaction is more realistic to what you'd expect you know he mourns the loss that the person he loved is now aged beyond him being able to interact with her he is confused by all the technology he's, i don't know it's just it's not jokey and gimmicky in the marvel side which is ironic because the everyone keeps saying the DC side is so dark and serious. So, <laughs> um, look, my two cents real quick. Uh, I agree with everyone. Length was a little too long. Again, there are complete scenes that could be cut out, you know, and would not affect the overall narrative. Um, to hammer away Nas's point about uh, the like, the thing is they tried the fish out of water thing in the first one with Diana, right? Like, just un from Themyscira to the real world, that's a whole different, like, fish out of water. We get that. That was, like, cool, fine. But then they did the same thing with Steve here, and that just didn't translate well to me. I think it felt more like a like a cheap laugh joke that just didn't hit right. So, I mean, there were a bunch of stuff, again, that could be cut out, uh, on which we'll just segue right into. So, again, guys, this is a spoiler review. It says in the title, should be fairly obvious we're just going to talk all about the movie so if you haven't seen the movie and you want to see it stop the video now go watch and then come back all right now with that said and out of the way um 
we had the two intros. This is, I call it two intros because it basically was two separate intros. So we had the beginning, Thermoscara, I guess it was like 10 minute scene where you have Diana as a young child um, racing with the other Amazonian women. Um, and uh, she held her own but by the looks of it. But I think to me, this was the best scene in, like, or sequence, I should say. So a bunch of scenes together uh, of the entire movie. Like good action. Um, CGI was believable, uh, which is a, a good strong point for it. Um, some of the physics parts didn't make much sense. Like, how can a small child do all of those things, really? But nonetheless, I thought it was, you know, thrilling. I was, I was engaged with the story. And usually what makes this scene stand out to me is that most movies don't usually start very strong. They kind of have, like, a, a the kind of middling or even weak beginnings. But this is a strong opening sequence. I don't know. What did you guys think? Uh, I actually did like it because it did really set the message for like the overall like movie of like what the movie's like supposed to be about like character wise and stuff like you don't become a hero by taking shortcuts or lying and cheating you do it through honesty and truth and persevering and challenging yourself and overcoming those challenges for yourself and becoming a better person. And I also agree with Nalar when he said that even though I'm assuming that uh, this is a different planet, dimension, realm, and whatnot. Again, I'm not super familiar with Wonder Woman's origin story, but it was the most believable in terms of the presentation of the shots and the CGI. Like, they actually had a, a pretty good-looking sequence where she was riding a horse through, like, the shallows on a beach. Mm -hmm. And like, that actually looks good. Like, strikingly good in contrast to some of the very poor CGI I'm sure we're going to talk about here shortly. Yeah, it was... Lethal. Oh, Alec, go ahead. I was going to say, it, it was hands down the uh, the best action sequence in the entire film. Like, and there's there's not really any, even fi any fighting. It's just the Amazonian decathlon or whatever, their Olympic games or whatever. <laughs> and I, I found myself far more interested in, in that sequence and the story behind what is it that they're doing than I was at right. any other point in the entire film. Agreed. I was actually going to put that point out too, because that, that whole intro sequence for me personally, it kind of like, like that was like my intro to the movie and how I, you know, how do I, uh, I kind of, how do they build off of it from there and how they keep going from there. And uh, for me personally, like it was, the beginning was like off the top. It was awesome. The whole entire action sequence was like everything I want to see in a comic book movie and everything. Uh, but for me, it's funny because like uh, I enjoyed it so much that like once the movie kind of started and it had like that slow going into everything it, for me, I don't know. I kind of feel like the intro kind of made it harder for me to enjoy the rest of the movie, if that makes any <laughs> sense. So I was just like, oh, like such a great entrance. And now it's like, it, you know, it, it, it takes its time to get to the uh, to the good stuff. Uh, yeah, just just to, you know, really hammer your point. It's like the pacing what the, the yeah. pacing in the beginning you were like okay so this is this is what the film's going to be about right but right. then you know the rest of the uh first act into the second act it it was a little more story driven kind of drawn out a little more exposition here and there which is not bad but it's just a different pace so it, it felt like again this is where i mentioned the editing could have been much uh handled much better here where the transition, if this, if they wanted to keep this, they should have transitioned it better with different, like uh, different scenes or cutting it a little bit differently. So, uh, but yeah, Hydros, any thoughts on the Themyscira introduction? I thought it was the again probably the best sort of scenes out there in the in the movie. Uh, definitely did not 
look horrible in terms of CGI. It could look the most, I guess, quote unquote, realistic is the best way to say that. Uh, and I don't know. I was more invested in kind of wanting to see more of that, like throughout the entire movie, maybe like her flashing back to moments in her life, if that, if that makes sense, you know, and kind of going back to the Themyscira type stuff, because that was probably, again, the my most one of the most favorite parts in the movie especially just in the beginning and then just being thrown in there with that seeing all their like you know they're like i guess the games that they were playing and stuff like that but yeah it's, it's a pretty good sequence uh in comparison to the rest of it <laughs> yeah um look like i said it was an action-packed beginning uh really set a different pace compared to the next part which i also call an intro because um again it's a different pace so it's the 80s mall scene. So again, spoilers are, uh, just to be sure. Uh, we get, we're transported back to 1984. And uh, for those of you guys, I'm sure a good majority of you watching this, were not even alive at that point or born then. Hell, I mean. I... Yeah, like Sly here, exactly. Um, even, even that's two years before me and I'm old. I was, I yeah, was two. Yeah, so just to give you an idea, yeah, we're old. We're, we're boomers, uh, you guys. So uh, look, it, that 80s sequence, I mean, it looks, it had the aesthetics of the 80s, you know. Um, it definitely had that, but it was trying to establish the the setting. And we had a kind of a uh, heist in a mall. And, uh, again, it also sets up the exposition of the, was it the Time Stone or the Dream Stone? Or the Dream what, what, Stone, yeah. Dream Stone. Um, but it basically, these robbers come in. Definitely look like 80s dudes with the, uh, <laughs> the mullets and whatnot. And... In the, in the clothing, but they were trying to rob this uh, this jewelry store, which was a front for all these uh, old artifacts. And then night, and then Wonder Woman comes in and saves the day. Now, I did not like this scene much, honestly. But uh, I'll get into my reasonings. Just uh, let's go off the top here. Like Hydros, what did you think about this mall intro? Um, in terms of it, maybe introducing. The Dreamstone, I guess it was kind of okay. I guess introducing the fact that she's Wonder Woman kind of sucked because it's just her. Um, you know, they're doing scenes like not really showing her in full view, and then they finally show her in full view after you know she comes face to face with the robbers and whatnot. Um, yeah, I, it was okay. That's really it. <laughs> That's all I can really say about it is it was okay. Again, it was great for setting up the Dreamstone. Maybe it should have maybe maybe been placed a little bit farther into the timeline especially just for introducing that kind of starting out introducing like the world that we're in and then introducing just diana at first and then getting you know where she works and all that kind of stuff then you know they talk about the dreamstone and all that kind of stuff and then maybe go into the scene to where the robbers are going to go get it then we're into the mall then she comes in as wonder woman so you know i felt like that would have maybe been a little bit more appropriate and that's the, that's the kind of the word but i didn't feel like it was great introducing the setting in terms of that um the first beginning part kind of but the whole entire scene itself not so much um Nas, what do you think about the uh, mall intro i have a lot of problems with this movie basically from here on out uh the suspension of disbelief required for you to just kind of ignore the the fact that this movie is obviously not real is so astronomically high that 
a lot of the fine details really bug me. And again, the movie was entertaining, so I'm not like overall just trashing the movie as a whole, but like the whole opening sequence after the, the Themyscira cut it just starts with Wonder Woman. Just She's just wandering around the whole city at a brisk pace, just saving people left and right, and then conveniently ends up in the mall right when this robbery happens. All right, like, oh, okay, because movie, that's how it has to happen. But there's a whole checklist of stuff that happens like that that's just like, it makes you lean into coincidence so heavily that it kind of pulled me out of the movie a little bit. Um... In terms of the actual flow of the plot, going back to what Hydro said, I think it would be cooler if they set up the Dreamstone a little bit ahead of you seeing it, as opposed to having a bunch of stuff happen and then you learn what's going on after the fact. I was somewhat confused as to how the Smithsonian even acquired the Dreamstone, really, because like there was like a robbery of the black market stuff that was being sold on the black market, but then Wonder Woman foiled the robbery. So I would assume they returned most of the stuff to the jewelry place, but then the Smithsonian still ended up with all this stuff anyway. So I, I was kind of confused by that part. I felt like it well, wasn't necessarily the most well the way they structured. The way they got the Dreamstone was, yeah, the robbers were getting the Dreamstone they because they, you know, the jewelry store was having the side business. So the cops confiscated everything or the FBI rather confiscated everything. Right. And then they in turn gave it to the Smithsonian to look at and see what it was because they didn't know what it was. They didn't, I guess, know where it belonged to or where it should belong to. So that's why the Smithsonian was there because they are, you know, they have all the researchers and all that stuff there to figure out what it is, where it goes or where it came from and all that kind of stuff. I guess, yep. okay, that kind of makes sense. I wish they, the movie they did had say it. explained it. <laughs> they did. Yeah. They did say it. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, it's like, I think it's like a brave Barbara visit. Bar no, not Barbara. Is it the, the boss lady? Yeah, the boss lady comes in and says, yeah. hey, so the FBI wants us to look at quick. this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of problems with her character as well. If we're talking about the blonde curator of no, the we're talking about, Sony. We're talking about, yeah. yeah the boss, the boss lady is the, uh, the bigger lady. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I... Uh, in terms of specifically the mall scene, like the visual aesthetic was okay. Um, I also, I don't really think, I mean, the effects on Wonder Woman's like whip and her swinging around yeah. were really that great. Like every time she's punching someone and sending them flying, all that stuff looked pretty good. But just the whip and her movement specifically looks pretty artificial to me. Again, that's something that I could get around having watched a lot of unrealistic movies. But um, it definitely was a lot more noticeable in this compared to something like even like the older Iron Man movies, like one or two. Right. This still kind of stuck out to me. I don't know if that's because of the pandemic. They have limited resources to work with or what the excuse or situation ended up being. But that's just I don't know. My take on that was it was I don't know. It was a little rough around the edges for sure. I feel like I feel like for me, like the way I kind of interpreted the mall scene too was like it was like the big moment for them to really hit you with the like, yo, you're in the eighties. Like this is what the eighties was is and kind of was or whatever. And I kind of like I guess the way I interpreted like the action sequences in there, I guess they were trying to make it feel like it was in the eighties. I mean, again, I haven't watched like the old like the older Wonder Woman, like the more like real famous one or whatever. But uh, I mean, I just took it as like they were trying to really like uh, like recapture that and kind of give it that kind of feel to it. So that's just I guess it's just how I took it 
Um, but like, I didn't hate it, but I just like the way I just looked at it was like, yeah, they're really just trying to show you like, you know, how it would kind of be in the eighties, it would back in the eighties, how they would try to show that same kind of scene too. Um, my only thing that I think the only thing that I ever had with that too, was exactly what you, everybody else kind of mentioned was like how they did the dreamstone. I don't know if I liked it being where like the burglar guys were in there. I would have felt like in the eighties, they were just there to get money, but I guess, or unless they were not there expecting to find like the dreamstone and all those, you know, artifacts and whatnot. Um, yeah, that's like my only thing with the mall scene. It's just like how the Dreamstone kind of got found and how it got done. Well, they were there specifically to get the Dreamstone. They weren't there for money. Was it? Yeah, they weren't there for the oh, money. I thought they were there for Because I think they were sent by yeah. the, well, I can't remember his name, uh, the, the big honcho Lord, guy. Yeah, Lord, Lord, uh, Lord. Oh, uh, okay. Lord Crap. Because yeah, later Brains. on, you see full circle in the wooden box that the Dreamstone was in. Like, there's a note with Max yeah. Lord's name yeah, on it, like receipt. already in the box. Yeah. I, okay. The, the way I interpret that is he bought he it was on the black market. He was supposed to buy it on the black market and he was supposed to pay for it. But as we all know, he has no money, right? He has, it's, right. he's just a shell. So he just hires these guys to steal it and then get it back to him in this like circuitous way. Again, not really well executed in my opinion. I, they could have told that better, but uh, I'll get more into it. Just Sly, Alec, which, what do you guys think about the mall stuff? Uh, Alec, you can go first. Yeah, so I also didn't really enjoy the sequence. Um, there was a lot of 80s cliche stuff leading up to and going yep. through the mall which is just, okay, yeah, haha, we're in the 80s. But there was some really low-level genius type of things happening during this during this sequence that I think maybe not everybody caught. Um, before she even gets to the mall, uh, when we don't actually see any shots of her, it's just like, oh, you get a glimpse of her red armor or whatever, and she's going around and saving people. Um, what that's establishing during that time is how little people care about the consequences of their actions or anybody else. The best example I yep. can think of is the, the teenage girls stealing the sunglasses from the little convenience store and then running out and then bumping into that bride and groom and knocking, the, up and yeah, knocking bride, yeah. the bride off that bridge and she was going to die if Diana wasn't there to save her. I mean, I think it does a genius job of establishing that is the tone of the 1980s that they are setting for this movie. Um, but that's about the only real credit I can give this entire sequence. Yeah, uh, the mall itself, I have an issue with, but the establishing shots before that where, you know, she's saving the girl who almost got hit by a car or uh, that uh, the bride who fell off the bridge. So, like like you said, it, it, it was nice because, you know, it's the typical oh the hero saves the day kind of thing but again it's again establishing the 80s mentality of like hey i'm just gonna throw this pack of cigarettes out and litter on the street like it doesn't matter why do i care and again that's kind of an overall theme message that goes throughout it so uh i agree with that but the mall sequence uh my personal thing and then i'll, I'll pass it off to sly is that it felt too cheesy like it felt too 80s and that felt itself too cheesy, which again, the eighties styling and, and choreography is, it is kind of cheesy by today's standards, but like, I guess it didn't bring me into it or like make me revel in that kind of, uh, establishing shots that we're trying to do. I just, I wasn't pulled in. I was still stuck outside being like, I don't like this. It's, again, it's another instance where they could have sped up the whole, like, the whole fight scene. She's, like, going back and forth between the two guys that are on yep, one yep. side of the mall, the two guys that are on the other. Like, they could have fast-forwarded a little bit of the scene, cut six more minutes of runtime out of the movie if she just 
beat the shit out of the first two guys and then beat the crap out of the second two guys and then we move on. But she goes like back and forth between them like three times each almost, just swinging back around through the mall. I thought that was kind of awkward. Yeah. Sly, on the final um, thoughts. Well, first, I just want to start with uh, what Alex said about the small hint of genius of like how they said it. I didn't even think about that and that's actually really smart that you thought about that and if that's how they did it that's amazing um like nolar said earlier i i wasn't born in the 80s i was literally three years out of the millennium and so i don't really know like how i would feel about it being brought in the 80s it felt like it based off like other movies i've seen but um yeah the only thing that i did really enjoy from the mall sequence itself really was how she was like interacting with the kid you know like trying to like keep her calm like not scare her because you know obviously they're bad guys they have guns like and like alex said like people don't care about the consequences of their actions you know one of the bad guys was literally about to drop a kid off the railing so how diana handled the situation with the kid of like you know just being comedic relief you know it's like hey don't worry about it i'm here you know just making her laugh and smile like that's about the one thing that stood out to me the most but uh yeah so what alex said you know really nice hint of genius of how they put it um but yeah that's my thoughts on the mall scene uh oh um they also could have handled it better like she like have her be there for a reason you know like she's having lunch it's a mall you know like there instead of like swooping around saving the day you know it's a superhero Being movie. everywhere at once right when yeah. the movie needs her to be there is a little bit too convenient for me but yeah i would say like if she was there shopping for something or i think any excuse for her to have been at the mall would have been better than her just conveniently showing yeah i up. think that entire sequence is just supposed to placate the comic book audience like there's a lot of people who read comics and think okay every day the heroes are out just running around saving people when they come across it and I think that kind of pays homage to that thought process. I think for the uh, the stone scene, yeah. I felt like that if they had done it to where maybe instead of introducing it through a robbery, right, they could have maybe, well, maybe I guess do it through the robbery, but then Diana sees the stone and then it flashes back to like someone telling her about the stone vaguely at the beginning, just to kind of give more context into the stone. And then it goes to the Smithsonian and she's like, hey, bring this to the Smithsonian or something like that. That would have been cool, right? Like that would have been nice. Oh, yeah, it just looks like a giant lump of quartz. Like, uh, yeah. It, the, the biggest thing is like, <sighs> okay, I, I hate to put uh, like reference this. It's another Marvel movie, but it's the X Men like Apocalypse movies where in the beginning of Apocalypse they they show him and his like uh they, they establish he's the villain and he's the reason that that needs to be the movie's gonna happen. Instead of just the, I mean, I love the Thermoscara scene. I did. I think, again, I think it's the best sequence in the whole movie. But if they wanted to introduce the Dreamstone as like going through the civilizations and all the wreckage is done, and then it's now in her hands, like at the mall, like that might have impacted more that, hey, this is the story they're trying to tell, this, this whole Dreamstone. And so this is the focus. But it just like again, it feels like we were pushed and pulled in different directions and not given a tight, concise story to follow. Where that's where I agree with you guys. Where the introduction of the Dreamstone and how that was the main purpose of the story just got lost because there's 
well, we'll talk about it in a little bit. There's multiple characters, there's different directions and all that kind of stuff. But uh, one quick thing before we move on. I just found out that Warner Brothers was telling Patty Jenkins she had to get rid of the Themyscira scene or the 80s mall scene. Mm. It felt too long. And, I mean, obviously to me, the like I said, I, I think the Themyscira scene is the best scene that they have, right? I or sequences. Kept the Themy- I would right. have kept the Themyscira scene. Unfortunately, so, the movie works better if you get rid of that scene because right that's you flow the, in yeah. right with the 80s mall intro you start with that vibe you continue with that vibe the the issue that i think most of us have expressed with with that opening amazon scene was that it set a completely different tone than the rest of the movie took yep so so i, I mean um, like I, again i love that intro scene but at the same time that should have been a different movie it felt like to me if they were going to continue on with the Themyscira uh, intro. That would have been a true origin. That would have been a true origin right there if they had done it that way. Right, exactly. Um, And I'll explain why, again, if I I was Warner Brothers, I would have told her to cut that Themyscira scene, but I'll explain that at the end. Uh, But anyways, Sly, I I interrupted you. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, like, how you were explaining, like, how they handled the introduction of the Dreamstone, of, like, how they could have handled it, like, the civilizations and stuff. Uh, You just reminded me of, like, how they handled the uh, Avatar movie, the James Cameron one. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Literally, the whole point of them being on Pandora was for... um, What's the word? Uh, Material. the, The name of the material is actually called Unobtainium, which is actually a silly name, but... It's literally there just to set the presence of the movie. So that's kind of what the Dreamstone like felt like, even though it played a larger role than Unobtainium. But uh, that's just like how it like made me feel like now that you mentioned it of like how it was handled and how it uh, incorporated the movie. Right, right. Um, okay, so uh, moving on here. Uh, we talked about the intros. This is where, to me, I agree with Nas when you mentioned earlier. It just kind of falls apart. Um, so we we were told about, you know, we through exposition of, hey, take a look at this thing that the FBI found. What what is it? And um, you know, and just briefly, Diana's like, oh yeah, just wish upon something. I forgot the exact uh, phrase, but the story kind of just jumps ahead back and forth there's obvious plot holes or things they don't really explain very well um i'm gonna just kind of open this up a little bit to me the biggest problem i had was when diana of course like they, they've established in the beginning in the shots like after the mall scene that diana's by herself you know um she's not seeing or dating anybody she's you know trying to do the best she can to forget about Steve Trevor, her from the first movie, her long lost love, but uh, she's not over it. And then when she gets the Dreamstone, um, she doesn't out directly say it, but you could see it in her face. I mean, that's why I mean she gets the point of her acting skills there, um, Gal Gadot. That yeah, yeah, she's she's wishing for Steve to come back, you know. And uh, my biggest point of contention is I don't like how any of that transpired. Like that's just my my opinion. I don't know what you guys think. How did they bring back Steve? Did you think that was a good idea? Or could it have been executed better? Or is there another way you would have done it? I thought that um, they had to speak to do the wish. They, she, like, thought it. Like, what? <laughs> I thought they had to, like, physically say it out loud. Like, majority, like, everyone else did. Yeah, everybody else, everybody else did that. And she 
She didn't do that. Yeah, she was well, the only think... character to not speak her wish out loud. I was going to say, I think they had everyone else speak their wishes because we didn't really know theirs. We kind of knew what Diana wanted. Like, we all knew that she wanted Steve to come back. So maybe you don't have to because, uh, like like I said, we all know that Diana wanted Steve to come back. We don't know really what everyone else necessarily wanted the same way we knew what she wanted. <clears throat> yeah, I mean... It would have helped if she like muttered it under her breath and the people around her didn't really hear. And they like, they were like, what What did you just say? And she's like, oh, nothing, nothing. I feel like that might have been an, an easy and quick way to make that painfully obvious. Because I didn't even know that she wished that guy back. Like, again, I watched Wonder Woman 1 in the back of a headrest on an airplane flight from Texas to Virginia. And... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I remember that dude dying and stuff, but it would have been nice to have just like a one sentence little reminder because when the dude ultimately approaches her in the bar later and is not Steve at first, but then like in a single frame, she like looks away and looks back and then all of a sudden it's him. Like I had no idea what was going on for a second right there. Was the, was the lunch scene with her and Barbara, was that before she made the wish? Because yep. I, I was going to say that's maybe how like you would get I that idea of like so, she miss, yeah. she still misses Steve because she talks about how she had her first love and stuff like that. And, you know, she still I think she, I think she kind of put it out there that she, you know, still missed him and whatnot. I, mm -hmm. I think I think for me, sometimes like I guess like a question I had was like the time frame between Wonder Woman one and Wonder Woman two, because there was about like what, like 40. I mean, I, I don't know. When was World War One? When did all that happen? Was that like 19? What did we say? End of World War One. End of World War right? like I think it was like 18. I looked it up last night after we were talking about it. So that's, oh, so that's, so that's like what, like 60, 60 70 years? years? Basically, this it's basically the same time jump for Captain America and the Marvel world. Okay. More or less, yeah. So uh, I guess for me, like that just begs the question of like, man, how, like that's that's 60 something, 50, whatever. Whatever you want to say, 50 plus years, 60 plus years of like holding on to like that love, I guess, and not being able to find something else that kind of makes me think like that's that, that's a whole lifetime for somebody. That's a lot. I don't know. Yeah, I just, but when she silently wished Steve to come back at that point in the movie. I didn't even know really that that was a wishing stone. So that's what led to some yeah. confusion for me. They didn't explain what that yeah. quartz crystal was until well after the fact. Yeah. I think the problem is, uh, I think Hydra said it. Everyone had verbally said what they wanted and she didn't. And yes, it's implied that that's what she wants, but that's, they set their own rules and then they break their own rules. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. where like, uh, no, I was gonna say that's where the inconsistencies drop you out of the um, uh, sus suspension of disbelief, right? So you're like, oh, that's how it works. But then they break their own rules. You're like, wait, but then what happens? Like, I don't get it. And that's when you start saying to yourself, wait, what happened? I don't get it. That's when you lose your audience. And you never want to lose your audience when you're talking about a fantasy, a comic book movie, or a science fi fiction movie. You want them to be all in. And the second you do that, you break their disbelief, you just you lose them. And it's super hard to get them back, right? So that's where, to me, it started to fall off the edge right there. I yeah. think it kind of... I think it kind of relied a little bit too heavily on context clues because um, Barbara, when she was first inspecting it, she's like, you know, this kind of seems fake. Like, it would be only worth, like, 75 bucks, if anything. And then... Diana asked to look at it and she studies it and Barbara said, oh, it might be this, this or that. And then Diana said that it could be completely something else. 
So that kind of led me to believe like she knew exactly what it was, but she didn't realize the extent of what it was. But like she had an idea of like what it is and like what it could do, but not fully capable of what it was actually able to do. Like I just feel like it relied a little bit too heavily on context clues, so that's probably why it lost some people. But yeah. Yeah, it's like again comparing it to like Marvel, right? They set up Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlets, like, separate from the comics. In the comics, Thanos can use the Infinity Gauntlet just by thinking, and it doesn't hurt him. In the movies, they set a very clear rule for Thanos that to use the Infinity Gauntlet, he actually has to, like, raise his hand and close his fist. And if he doesn't close his fist, it doesn't activate. And they have a lot of subtle details in, like, fight scenes where, like, Spider-Man will wrap up his hand, or Doctor Strange sends his flying cloak out to prevent him from closing his fist. And those little subtle consistencies, like, you know, individually might be, you know, ignorable if they, you know, don't pay attention to it once. But the more it adds up, like Nilar was saying, the more you get pulled out of your immersion in their in the own universe that they're trying to establish, right? Yeah. Like, I think it was even an endgame where, like, he had the gauntlet on his hand, like, like right at the end. And I think someone even said, don't let him close his fist. Or it might have been an Infinity or one of the two. Like, they said, don't let him close his fist because then the gauntlet can't work. Yep. And this would be, like, a fine detail of that where, like, everyone else has to speak their wish, but she can just think it. And then it's like, what just happened? There was no auditory clue to let me know that. She just wished her dude back. There was that. The dude doesn't there show was that up little like 10 or 15 minutes. tingling sound, and her hair moves slightly on the breeze. Yeah, like that, that was the, the only indication that whatever. you had that something happened. But I mean, honestly, guys, DC stands for disrupted continuity, so I'm not expe- I'm not surprised by plot holes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what we're segueing into next, but I really didn't like the setup and character development of the, what, Barbara, the blonde yep. Smithsonian Cheetah. curator. Like, her fall from grace, her whole entire character was badly put together. Like, A, it's one of those movie tropes where the actress that's playing her is obviously attractive, but they portray her as, like, a nerdy, like, outcast, when you can clearly tell that's not the case. And then to show the transition, they just, like, change her outfit and fluff her hair up. And I'm like, like that was not, to me, like, she that was not a good up. representation of the wish of the strength transferring over. And her, her personality change was pretty weak, in my opinion. I don't know if that was our next topic, but I just had to throw that out there. Uh, I mean, we'll, we can expand on that. You guys' thoughts on Barbara's character development? I mean, I I see the, you know, the ugly duckling thing that they were going with there. But my issue is, and I don't know if it's just because it was 80s style clothing and 80s style hair. I didn't find her any more attractive after the transformation. Like, yeah, me no, she literally looked the same, except she took her glasses off and changed her clothes. Like, right. That's it. There just wasn't, like, some magical, mystical transformation in my eyes to make me feel like she'd actually changed. It was more like she just stopped being a dork. Yeah, pretty much. And beyond that, like, I know there's a magical effect of the stone that's, like, explained later where to get something you have to lose something. And her part of the trade was, like, losing her humanity. 
but it wasn't portrayed well. Like she was like the sweetest, nicest, most innocent person, and then all of a sudden, like one creeper dude like turns her into a murderer. Like I did not, I, I didn't find that very believable for her character arc, really at all. I don't think it was that it turned her into a murderer, but I think it was Diana saving her, and like she sees like how helpless she is, like compared to Diana, so she just wanted to be like Diana, like yeah, you know, she just, just a powerful, evil, str- like, yeah, yeah, she straight up killed that dude. <laughs> more or less yeah yeah um, but you know like you said like it's give and take here's your wish but this is what we take in return so if there wasn't that she could have been exactly like diana and kept her personality and she wouldn't have killed the dude but because it took her personality she turned into that yeah and i mean i'm not saying that was that's a good move from like a storytelling standpoint, but they didn't either the it. actress the actress didn't convey that feeling convincingly, or like Noir said, that they just didn't write it very well. I don't yeah. know whose fault it was, but it just didn't come across. Other. Yeah, it's it's either the writing wasn't done well, which I'm gonna lean more that way, because nope. uh, Kristen Wiig is a great good actress, and same with um. Oh, what's his name? Pedro yeah, Pascal. Oh, you're talking about that. Oh, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal, right. Yeah. Or Mandalorian. That's how I remember him. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he's a very good actor. He's a very good actor. Like, you look at the stuff he did in Mandalorian, you know, and you're like, wow. You know, he gets that stoic nature across. And then the complete transformation of what he's got here. Um, like, yeah, the, the writing itself wasn't very strong. Um, so I kind of <laughs> lean it towards that way. But, yeah. Anyways, go ahead, uh, Hydros. I think that Barbara's transformation would have been maybe a little bit more. What is it? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a little better. Any, I'm just gonna say that for right now. I can't think of the word. Uh, Appealing. I guess more believable that she went from you know, goody nerdy cute girl to insane psycho slut bitch. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it, uh, sorry editors, but uh, it's uh. Uh, when they were in the scene where they were when they went to that little shop in like an alleyway or whatever and like she was kind of sitting there like and she had all the punk rock crap on her and you know she was like oh no I don't want to be a part of this like you know you could have if she had acted a little bit more like you know heartless or losing like you know not like oh I don't want to be a part of this like more so um yeah I'm not gonna let you kill him he gave me all my powers blah 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 or something you know something like that and you could see the transformation kind of happening, to leading up to like yeah, the DC yeah. scene. Yeah, you mean cosplay uh, catcher wasn't like... a good enough cue for you? <laughs> yeah. Literally, in one scene, she's in like a '80s gym outfit. The next scene, she's wearing like straight up punk rocker with dark, heavy black eyeliner. And then the scene right after that, she's like a full blown cheetah human. I, I have a pro- I have a problem with the gym scene of her learning and discovering her the strength. Right, I get it. That's a cool. I guess that's a cool little bonus scene if they wanted to put that in there. I think the real, the realistic version of her learning about her strength is her encountering that same guy and then yep. beating the crap out of him. Like, oh, this is easy. She says it. Oh, this is easy. Like, like she's realizing she's able to be strong or she is stronger. That would have been a way more of like a cooler uh, realization than, hey, I can lift this in the gym. Yeah, they did that for those cheap comedic effect well that and plus well, span- and so plus spandex right i mean yeah they, they had to show real. off the 80s <laughs> athletic wear because it's such an iconic like part of the 80s yeah. those leggings well, I, I, 
Okay, so so the thing is, what I'm, what we're, you know, I'm getting from everybody here is the uh, the scene. The movie was a little long, but the stuff that we that could have been cut out was just the blatant '80s nostalgic Love. scenes, right? It's like, like, I mean, we kind of get we're scene. in the '80s, or right? we we kind of get it. You can kind of see it as we're going through the movie. I don't think they needed to force it like upon you to, it yeah, to you. force yeah. it upon you to yeah. be like, hey, we're in the '80s. Believe it, <laughs> like. It would have been so much more effective if they like took out all that stuff and just had a scene of her like walking around the zoo and seeing the cheetah enclosure and like staring at it because like she turns into a human hybrid cheetah. Okay, I'm assuming that's like one of Wonder Woman's like iconic yep. villains from her comic. It it's like her, but in the <laughs> movie, it's done so terribly. Like she's a human being that's super strong in one scene. She mentions, "I want to be an apex predator." And then all of a sudden she turns into a, a, a cheetah. Why a cheetah? Like, I mean, the comics, yes, I know that. But like in the context of the movie, yeah, yeah, like, it wasn't played. Yeah. Out. Why did that? that, that why did that point. happen that way? It like, was like, instead of the instead ahead, of the gym scene, say, they could have uh, was the zoo, right? Yeah. I was yeah. gonna say yeah. it's just pretty subtle because uh, I believe it was. Um, she looked at Diana, and I think Diana had like either pants or shoes on that looked oh, like a. Cheetah, it was the it was her heels, that's her heels, her heels. But that yeah, her heels, but. That is such a really small, subtle indication as to why she became a cheetah, and it was so early on in the movie, like two hours prior, that it's well easy to forget. That's why well, she. Became just, a if, if you're a comic fan, as majority of the people probably who watch this are, you would realize just by her name who she was, Barbara, Barbara Minerva. Yeah, I mean, you I would have realized that going oh, that's into the cheetah. movie because I knew who the characters were going to be, but I'm just there's saying, there's like for no other people, logical progression in the movie as why she became a cheetah. And if they wanted to do it, they could have showed it a little bit more progressively happening instead of the, the only problem I have with cheetah's gym girl to transformation like is that's, that's not technically how cheetah really got her powers to begin with. So. If we want to yeah. talk that's, origin, that's kind of why the ending she is. She got cut is. by like something, and she got possessed by the goddess of the hunt, and she right. became a human hybrid I've thing. Well, right, well, that's, well, that's well, kind of what I'm thinking of. The next one is going to be like <laughs> that's, that's what they're kind of setting up in, again for the next one. You know, because the ending, she she loses all like she loses all her fur. You know, maybe she molted, whatever. I don't know. Uh, maybe you know, I don't know if she just molted or something. I don't know. Maybe she licked it all off. I have no idea. But. Uh, <laughs> Or a barber just came and say, "Oh, pretty." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think the I think the ending where she kind of like went back to normal is now setting it up for her to be to actually become the cheetah the way she was supposed to, or in a similar way to how she actually got it, because that was never. Well, so also, the Dreamstone is not technically the Dreamstone; it's based off the Chaos Stone. It's like part of the power of the Chaos Stone that they took and did instead of the entirety of the Chaos Stone. So it's like, why why would you do this one this part? Universe? I think the Chaos Stone, it'd be kind of stupid because we have the Infinity Stones. It'd be kind of like the, the Infinity Stones in a way. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it kind of is. It's a, it's a really powerful item in the DC universe, and it it would be, you know, something like that. But that's why they took it and was like, hey, I we'll think... just make it into the Dream Stone. We'll kind of take a piece of it. We wanted to introduce the Chaos Stone or something. I don't know. They could have done a very, like, because obviously they did model that, I mean, A, from the comics, but B, it is modeled directly after a monkey's paw. Like, they even specifically read is, for, yeah, 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 referenced it, that. Yeah. But they could have tossed that out, like, way earlier. Like, they don't even mention the monkey's paw thing until, like, one of the final fight scenes where she's like, what's your monkey's paw effect? Like, what's it taking from you? And then the Barbara's like, 
don't worry about me. What's it taking from you? Right? Like they could have dropped that the, way earlier on. I feel like they a much clearer indication of what was happening. I feel like they could have set up more throughout the entirety of the DC universe by having Wonder Woman explain like all these other items, like maybe that the Amazons knew about, like the, the dagger that Cheetah had that gave her her powers, the Chaos Stone, and all that kind of stuff. Like they did like a flashback of her learning about all these ancient like items from the gods and stuff like that to to kind of give a better idea of what this stone thing was instead of just hey we're re we read a book and oh realization it's by a god like <laughs> you know yeah kind of just pulling it out of thin well, air actually, basically it wasn't really pulling it out of thin air it's when they snuck into max lord's office and diana looked at the ring that was left on the desk in the dust and she touched it and she noticed that it was in the language of the god yeah. oh yeah so it wasn't yeah I, like, well i think that it was like really early on that she knew i think instead of well it, that scene was actually I think that was decently well done, I guess. But instead of it just her being like, oh, crap, you know, maybe like a flashback to her to kind of tie in the other Amazon scene instead of just having that one specific part in the beginning of the movie kind of having like flashbacks throughout the entire thing of her as a kid learning about these kind of like godly items and her mother kind of taught teaching her or something that would have been probably a little bit, I don't know, more been cooler to look at than just saying, oh, yeah, like, hey, there's this godly item. Oh, crap. <laughs> we're we're going to die. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, and it, it also brings up the point like all this we're talking about is like this movie and this is something that I've seen like trending across social media as well it's the, the overall bad guy or villain situation from this movie was not very well done I like, think they chose the worst yeah, combination villain. of yeah. they chose the worst yeah, villain Max of her they, if they had just done Cheetah by herself that would have been way better like doing that the actual like, Cheetah I kept saying it on yeah. the movie yeah. Max they should just like, focus on her. I would have cared more about learning more about her and seeing how she just becomes, you know, less, you know, less having her humanity throughout the film than, you know, going back and forth between her and what's his name? Maxwell Lord. That, that, that was like my biggest issue, I think. My biggest issue is yeah, but... the entire character arc of Maxwell Lord. Like, this is a villain who, like, okay, yeah, he wants to make money so he can help take care of his kids, but mostly it's just because he's greedy. I get that. He learns literally nothing he pays no price you know he does all of this yep. all of this crap he causes all of this chaos and he gets to say oh boohoo i'm sorry i take it all back it is the most undeserved ending Insulting. for a, or for a villain in any movie i've ever seen it, it's yeah yeah it's, it's beyond reproach it's, it's so poorly that... written I was going to say that he is paying a price as he goes along because I, as you can see, he's deteriorating. Yeah, but I was so, going to yeah. say is that obviously that's not enough of a price for him to pay because as everyone was wishing those wishes, he was just becoming a more healthier person. Yeah, so, yeah, movie, I agree. Like, that's mm, what I'm it is. I'm sorry. I take it all back. And then, boom, just everything's just back to the way it was. Like, everything's restored. Like, I don't really think wishes work that way. Right. That's not how this works. Well, I mean, once. No, go ahead. I was, was going to go off on a tangent, but go, go, uh, finish your thought. I was going to say, like, once you've dug your grave and buried yourself, you can't just be like, all right, I feel like climbing back out now. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. you're dead. Like, the. I, well, I agree with Alec that, you know, um, the end result, his journey, he had no journey, right? There was no consequence to his action, which yeah, makes this feel. They don't even show him like throwing him in jail in the end. Like, yeah, everyone just forgives everybody, and everything's just a nice, peachy, happy ending. Except she doesn't get her man, but then she sees a new one in the end. So it's like, what? 
the whole movie is just like it's it ends exactly where it starts basically except for the characters have learned a little tiny bit more about themselves and it, i don't know it's like you said it feels like a really hollow story loop yeah so while okay the, because it's hollow i definitely agree with that and that just makes it feel bad I actually kind of like Maxwell in the sense that he wasn't like evil, evil, like Thanos to be Thanos. You know what I mean? He was human and they, they humanized him by saying like, look, he's trying to do, he's achieving these goals for his son, but he's really greedy. You know, of course the resolution is awful, but like the, the, the setup was nice. I actually like that entrance of like, he's just an antagonist. He's not an evil person to, for the sake of being evil. Um, so Maxwell Lord to me started very well, but obviously ended off the same and therefore there's no journey now like i'm gonna i'm gonna roll this back a little bit diana this is where i was saying like the themiscara scene as much as great as it was was super redundant because the the beginning of that scene means that she learns that you can't cheat you have to get things it has to be done right you know if you want to be the winner it has to be done the right way if we got cut that scene out the diana's character development is 10 times better because the entire story is just her wanting something for herself, right? She wanted Steve back. She gets Steve back, but it comes at a cost. And the cost is she loses her strength. Like, you know, phys- uh, mm-hmm. throughout the action sequences, she gets hurt when she's supposed to be bulletproof, all that kind of stuff. But she doesn't get that. Uh, 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 she gives up Steve, and so she gets her strength back. And then she learns that yeah. you can't you can't cheat. I want Steve back, but I... I have to, you know, physically die and then be with him in spirit or whatever the case may be. She learned something at the end. But by sticking that Themyscira scene where that is the lesson she learned at the beginning and she just magically forgets it, her story arc is just null and void. It's just the same. It's like, hey, I learned this thing. I forgot it. Now I learned it back again. So that's why I was like, technically speaking, to make this a more like complete story, like an actual story arc, they should have just got rid of the Themyscira Mm -hmm. scene. But yeah, here's the problem That's I have I with uh, Maxwell Lord. They, I think, in terms of in comparison to the comics, they've ruined that character. Because <laughs> in terms of what he can do in the comics, uh, he, I think, I believe he had mind control powers in the comics. If I'm reading this correctly, at and one he point or another. brainwashed Superman into fighting, like I think the Justice League and stuff. So to do something like that, and she was also forced to break his neck and kill him, right? That would have been a way more interesting fight than what we got here. That would have been a hell of a lot darker. Um, I feel like for an action movie, too, like, you look forward to, like, those kind of big endings. Like, you know, big something going crazy like that. Yeah, that would have been... Like, like the Superman movie. The ending of Superman where he killed Zod, it may... I mean, the Superman movie, think what you will, but the ending scene that had that impact that scene has is really really well done for what he did because yep. he basically had to choose between the last of his kind versus the humans that he's now a part of and now and he and he chose to kill off his own kind because he now has a new home to save and protect and all that kind of stuff uh, so well, yeah, I, I guess that would kind of that would kind of be this i guess the same kind of thing they went with the the other max lord in the terms of her breaking his neck <laughs> kind of thing um but hell, I even I even see this movie being the most like Aladdin, like from Disney. Like you have Jafar, he sees the genie. Instead of wishing for wishes, he wishes to become the genie, and then a whole bunch of bad stuff happens to him, and he doesn't end up very well in the end. It's like the complete opposite for Max Lord. He has the same progression as Jafar, 
But in the very end, everything turns out peachy keen for him. So <laughs> it's kind of Doubling ridiculous. Doubling back to I think what a... Nolar said about um, the flashback sequence, the, the Themyscira sequence at the beginning, and how our hero basically learns the same lesson twice in the movie. It really reminds me of like the Arrow CW show for like the first two seasons yeah. throughout the yeah. entire arc. Yeah. He's flashing back to stuff he's already learned, but then he has to apply it to himself again five years later. It feels incredibly redundant and like there's no real growth yeah and and the biggest thing out of a you know like a protagonist like a fantasy or you know anything in that moment that nature the writing needs to have a hero's journey they need to change and develop and be different at the end better or worse however you want to write it is how you want to write it but like there needs to be a change by having that themiscara scene just to prove the point again there was no change. She just relearned something that she already knew. Um, while that's a cool like flashback and callback, um, it doesn't serve the story well, if that makes sense. Which is why I think Warner Brothers is like, hey, you should cut that one of those, the, either the mall scene or that scene, because it just, one, it's too long. And if someone's right, thinking of it from a writer's perspective, it's like, uh, yeah, you don't want to have the lesson in the beginning, what still a hero's got to learn at the end, you know? So, um Anyways, uh, well, again, we're, let's, we kind of talked about it, but let's just hearken real quick. The double villains, the dual villains of Maxwell Lord and Cheetah. Again, I think Kaiju, you're saying, like, it would have been better if it was just Cheetah or, right. if or it a was different a version of Maxwell. I, I think DC, right. j- they tend to have the problem where they have multiple villains and they try to put multiple in, in once. I, also the, the Spider-Man movies, especially Spider-Man three yeah, yeah. had that insane issue by trying to put three villains in one movie and crap like that. It was really bad <laughs> trying to incorporate so many. Uh, so, you know, with Superman, I guess he kind of had two. like he was, you know, first kind of the enemy of the U S and stuff like that. And, but then you know, that swapped, right, obviously. And then he's, he's just going against Zod and whatnot and all the, and the forces. So, and then Shazam has the the one guy that has the magic eyeball and all that crap. Uh, so, trying to do multiple villains is kind of DC's not so strong part, <laughs> especially. Uh, so, it's focusing on Cheetah or maybe the different Maxwell, or just maybe choose a better villain that fits Wonder Woman in, and who is, I guess, more hype than Maxwell Lord would have been, uh, would have probably suited way better. Like they could have chose uh, like the Firstborn villain the uh, giganta even giganta would have been pretty cool honestly uh or just cheetah by herself like that i think they could have incorporated cheetah uh to become the main villain really really well uh yeah uh sly any thoughts about the dual villain issue or you like it i never heard of max lord until this movie so honestly it really should have just been cheetah alone it would have been a lot better a little bit more um what's the word i'm looking for um like concisely to the point of like this is what we have to do instead of like trying to like split off into a fork in the road and try to take both paths at once it would have just been better if it was just one villain and personally i would have just picked cheetah honestly yeah, I'm not against the idea of having multiple villains in a movie. I mean, we've had plenty of examples in the past of it working. Thor Ragnarok's a great example because you have a whole sequence yeah. where you have Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblooming the hell out of the, the whole movie, being one of the greatest villains in Marvel history. 
And then of I course, think you Marvel have Marvel tends to do better than DC does. That's well, the difference. DC I don't, doesn't I don't have a very strong reputation for multiple. But it does come down to writing. This whole movie comes down to the writing. Like, right. like Chris yeah. Pine did great with what he was given. You know, Pedro Pascal did did as good as you possibly can when you're given a script that looks like that. You know, I yep. mean, <laughs> these actors brought their A game to a D list script. Give them credit where credit is due. I mean, but it really is the writers. The yeah. writers have failed this movie, and the editors. I think it just should have told a bigger story altogether. Like, this story was very personal to, like you said, Wonder Woman and her early childhood lessons. And then there's no, like, impact. Other than, that, like, the one scene where every country's about to nuke each other. There's, like, like what what is, like, what's the goal here? Like, what story, how does this help them further their cinematic universe? Like, everything at the end is the same as it was in the beginning of the movie. Like everything's wrapped up full circle. There's no well, way to integrate this story with anything else they've done. In terms of the universe, technically Wonder Woman's the only one right now in, ter- in terms of the timeline. So uh, Batman, Superman, and all them really wouldn't have come into effect until a little bit later. So it's mostly why, why there's not really a huge impact into the actual universe, which is I think where the next movie would probably come into play is that's where it's going to set up everything going on or at least more so or less uh, more things going on in the universe that is that can tie in other movies hopefully i would hope i don't don't screw it up dc please but yeah there is not much of a an impact into the universe with this movie whatsoever it's more so another origin telling of this of wonder woman i mean but isn't that a bad thing to say about a second entry in a franchise like oh it's just another origin another version of an origin for the character it's like you're not doing I think that's, anything with this uh, property i feel like they as you said it is down to the writers i feel like the writers didn't have anything else to really they i don't think any of them really understand the dc universe or know anything about it so they kind of just went with what they probably looked up <laughs> probably well i mean okay so he- <laughs> The thing is, we're we're in a living in a MCU world where everyone thinks everything has to be interconnected, and I'm pretty sure Walter Amato is saying like all our DC movies from here on out, they're not in a DCEU, they're not all interconnected, they're standalone movies. But when you're talking about a franchise, there's gotta be some like weave in, right? At least that's how I see it, right? If you're talking just about Spider-Man, for example, Sony owns Spider-Man, even though he's a Marvel character, uh, there's development about Spider-Man through like homecoming to far from home right so i i wanted to see some more development from wonder woman and wonder woman the the first one to wonder woman 1984 and we've got i feel like there's nothing nothing has happened so it just felt like we went up and we went down at the same spot and if you go from the beginning to the end we haven't gone anywhere yeah, you've literally ended the same place you started. You spun your wheels in place for the whole movie. I feel like they, if I feel like they should not have done this timeline that they did. I feel like they should have just went into the timeline that they had Superman, Batman, and everybody else being in play at the point where you know they could have done more. Like they probably would have had more to work with that way. This timeline just sucks entirely that they chose. I would also have to agree because, like, at the end of Wonder Woman 1, you know, like, the whole movie is a flashback. Like, that's what it is. Like, it's uh, Diana arriving at her office, um, 
Bruce found an old found the original old photo of all of them uh, after they saved that town. The guy asked for a photo of them, and that's how you get the movie. And like as it ends, you know, Diana is like it's back in like the actual timeline. She knows Bruce. She knows all of them. Present and, day, yeah, yeah, it's present day. And you know, she like hears or senses something's like going off, and you know, she suits up and everything, and she jumps into action. It would have been so much better if it stuck with a present day situation and just you know kind of like hinted like oh like uh should we call like just hypothetically like oh should we call batman or superman and like have them help you out and she's like no i can deal with this and blah 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 like it did not need to go back uh into her past again like Like they could have just had uh barbara like in the present day and that's when they met and that's when she met her i feel like dc needs to get out of the mindset of hey this doesn't have to be an intertwined universe having an intertwined universe works out really well when done correctly like what marvel has done but you know every i know i love the standalone movies like i love watching you know wonder Woman and all that stuff but give me a bigger picture to work with like like you know the infinity war kind of stuff like just like work up to the justice league don't just say you know, here's all the standalone movies. Now here's the Justice League movie, and it had nothing to do with each other. They just kind of threw them all together. It's just like work, build it into it, build something better. And again, like I said, they chose the wrong timeline for Wonder Woman just to do this. It's like after what happened in Wonder Woman one, we should just have went to what a quote unquote present day for the for Wonder Woman anyway. Uh, in the yeah, in the, the in the, in the universe to be present day. where they were, they could have introduced Cheetah that way. They could have introduced any of the other Wonder Woman villains that way. You know, like I said, Cheetah. They could have had Cheetah and Giganta if they really wanted to. If written well, they could have had two villains like those two. Um, they could have introduced stuff like the what is it? What is the little league called that the villains have? I can't remember what they're called. I believe it's the just called the League. Yeah, League, League of, of Doom. League they could have maybe kind of. They could have maybe Doom, like yeah. started up kind of incorporating the League of Doom into the DC universe too. They like through it through Wonder Woman, through the Superman movies and all that stuff. Because so we already have Lex Luthor, even though I don't really care for the Lex Luthor they chose for Superman versus Batman. But yeah, uh, I, I feel like I feel like too like some of the writing stuff. Like uh, I mean, I guess I could toss it up to everybody, but like because I feel like the dis uh, that Disney the DC like the movie universe like. I feel like it's so like conjumbled, like it's so kind of like, I don't know, like Marvel obviously did a good job of like, you know, going standalone films, tying things in and having like, you know, movies like Civil War and stuff like that, where I feel like I feel like this, like I keep saying Disney, DC, I feel like it has an issue where like, like, like there's no, like there's a Batman coming out that's not part of this universe. If I'm not, I don't know, is Robert Patton's Batman not a part of this universe, right? It's just another Batman. So like, it's not. So, like, I feel like sometimes, like, when it comes to trying to be creative with how they want to tie things in, like, I kind of feel like because it's so much, like, kind of, I don't know, a little bit all over the place for what the DC movie universe was kind of doing at one point that, I don't know, I feel like that the part of me comes to, like, you know, what else? I mean, again, I, I agree. I needed better writing, but, like, I do, like, I agree with um, with everybody else saying where with this second movie, I kind of would have liked it if they would have tried to tie it in, maybe, you know, something to Aquaman or, you know, because we were getting another Aquaman movie film and I think we just... What was our last one? Was it Aquaman or was it Shazam? No, I think it was Shazam. Shaz- that was Shazam recent. came out after Aquaman. So like, Shazam. it would have been cool to have some type of tie-ins for this movie. I think for me personally, but a part of me just always thinks like, you know, it's it's. I don't even know like what connects with the DC films at the moment besides like just Justice League. Well, 
when doing the Justice League, like Shazam was the one of the originals. Shazam, they need to they need to do another Green Lantern for God's sakes, <laughs> please. Yeah, so uh, love they need to not. Ryan Reynolds one was well. They're not, scared of they're scared of Green Lantern now that because of that movie. But I thought it was pretty all right. I didn't think it was horrible, but uh, some of the CGI was. But either way, uh, not that. But um, with for for Marvel, they for at least all the connecting movies like Iron Man and all that stuff. They had a general like didn't they have like a like a I, I guess a generalized team that kind of thought around these movies at least Kevin to Feige. kind of intertwine them for the universe. Yeah, DC needs that yeah. one person or at least a te- a couple of people. And Favreau. They need it. They need like a team, like a couple of people or one person that has can sit through and help all of the movies to help intertwine them all together like that. That way they're more concise. The they're more. They're more at, they're not accurate, but they're more you know interwoven with each other that way. And they're not just kind of splayed out there all over the place. All the credit for that goes to Kevin Feige and John Favreau. Like they're geniuses mm-hmm. at crafting that cinematic so universe. Pulling it back to to this particular movie, um, the title's Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, but there's literally no part that the eighties really play in the outcome of this movie. There's no reason why this this story it's- couldn't have taken place in modern day. Yeah, it's purely an aesthetic, and I feel like part of it is like a shot at Captain Marvel since they yeah. do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like DC but tried to, to make on the, uh, tried to nostalgia. make a better Captain Marvel. I think yeah, I think they just tried to make a better. In my opinion, overall, this is still better than Captain Marvel. That movie, in my opinion, still sucks. I don't like Brie Larson. She played a terrible Captain Marvel. I really absolutely I, hate it. I will agree with you on that. But that movie still ties into the overarching right. Universe uh, aside from tying into the universe, I mean, aside from that, I mean, just the movie itself. Looking at it, I still think, uh, I still think, what's her name that plays Wonder Woman? I can't ever pronounce her name. Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I feel like she's a way uh, better Captain actress Marvel. for Wonder Woman. I feel like she did. She does more emotion, especially with the guy that plays Steve around. Obviously, as Noir has said before, uh, but. Brie Larson is just uh, awful. <laughs> She's so stoic in every scene. I, it's not believable. I agree. I agree with everything you just said. With the added asterisks that the CGI is. Also oh yeah. Oh yeah. Marvel had a way better Captain CGI, Marvel. obviously. But I mean, the CGI didn't save that Captain Marvel movie. <laughs> I felt. Like, I felt like the acting from Gal Gadot actually helped a little bit for the Wonder Woman movie, aside from the bad CGI. And I'm also kind of taking into account the the time frame of our world right now obviously the pandemic so maybe they didn't have much to work with maybe they just tried to crunch down and stuff like that maybe they didn't have enough people to work on and they had what they could you know hey who knows uh what went down so um it's still bad but you know i'm not gonna fault them like i'll, I'll fault them 95 percent on holding on the whole hundred <laughs> yeah the cgi was uh like the beginning the mascara scene the cgi was really good I, that's my opinion. I think that um, was before the but, entire pandemic. That's the whole part that they got done before the pandemic yeah, was over. That was the thing that got done. starting. <laughs> that's what I thought too. <laughs> that was the first scene they got. They finished right. So, yeah. um, but you know, I actually to to kind of wrap the CGI stuff because uh, this is getting kind of long now. Um, the there weren't that many action scenes, right? There was the Themyscira scene, the There's car like chase scene, like three or four, and then the mall. Yeah, the mall like the and then the ending battle. fight scene with the Cheetah, White House. Right? Did we get the White House? Did you say the Did you say the beginning too? The very very beginning on. I guess that was yeah. kind of actiony. Yeah. yeah. That was kind of yeah. actiony. Yeah. So maybe like five ish roughly. Yeah. 
the yeah, movie was like, very for a two hour driven. two and a half hour movie that little amount of action though was definitely well for a two and a half hour comic book movie comic book movie yeah for a comic book movie i mean they they tried to make it more narrative focused which i don't have a problem with but um the writing that's not, not what i <laughs> yeah, if the, yeah if the writing yeah, the didn't suck thing. and the editing worked out better i would have been okay with it you know what i mean but uh just not having enough to you know hey look at all the flashing kicks and all this kind of stuff and make it believable like um here whoever's editing this put put up that screenshot of the car chase scene where diana picks up the two kids they look like they're you could tell they're dolls you could tell that they're dolls for the children it's unbelievable like unbelievable so uh yeah just uh if they got people on fiber to do the cgi (laughs) <laughs> just well, I mean, saying i just i just like how Maybe. we all had our moments when we were watching it together that it, we like this was the line for us this is where we just stopped it was like okay for a lot of you guys it was it was the mannequin children and i don't blame you for that you know for for somebody it was there's not you know side-by-side seats in a fighter jet which is absolutely fair and i agree with that but for me for oh, me yeah. it was after she learned how to fly and she started using the lasso to swing from lightning bolts like she's freaking spider-man that that for me was was just how that's fine. I, I know you explained it to me. Fun. I still can't deal with it. It's dumb. I, well, I, mean, I think that whole trying to learn to fly and also her in the sky with her lasso. I think that, that entire CG sucks too. Like if you compare it to like something like the Superman movie where he's learning to fly, it's way more impactful when he learns to fly versus hers. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to make it emotionally poignant. They, they literally, I think Patty Jenkins or whoever else wrote that was c- copying what happened in uh, Man from Steel, right? Because she loses Steve, right? Again, or she, oh, she lost Steve the second time, even though um, she gave him up and was like, "I want my strength back. I need to fight Maxwell Lord." And that emotional resonance what? between her, you know, what happened to her, and then what Superman had, you know, like it. They try to copy it. It just didn't. Hit well, they did kind of build into all. her learning to fly when they were in the jet flying on the fireworks. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah, talking yeah. about how, like, why it comes so natural for him to fly, right? That's where they built it. That's where they started it. And that's where you knew she's probably going to lose him and she's going to learn to fly. <laughs> and her ability to yeah, fly just... will always emotionally be tied to Steve. So every time she's in the air, she'll think of him. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thought. It's a horrible visual and a horrible narrative. It was horribly executed. Yeah, the for execution the most part. didn't work. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's the problem. The execution didn't work um, because, like you said, if the sec uh, the second you get uh, you suspend your disbelief and you're just like, okay, hold on, this doesn't make any sense. You say that in a comic book movie, a fantasy movie, a sci fi movie, you lost. You lost the audience, and it's just hard to get them back to, you know, get sucked back into the story and the narrative. So. What a thought yeah, of it's it. like we're already going in there. We're already going in there under the impression like, okay, this is make believe. But then when it gets to the point where like, okay, this is just so outlandishly wild that I can't even get into it. That's a whole other story. I think a better way that she could yeah. have learned to fly was if maybe she lassoed onto a plane, right? And they're all in the sky, and she's trying to like tail Max Lord or whatever kind of thing she wants to do, and then suddenly like drops her whip or something like that, or or, or the whip fails her or something. I don't know. And then she's just falling, right? And then she thinks about what he said, and then she, well, I guess that'd be kind of more cheesy towards anything, but, you know, it, it's something like that I would have liked better than her just, hey, lightning bolt, thinking, think of boyfriend, fly. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, the lightning bolt didn't happen until she learned. Lightning bolt, give me, give me momentum. Thank you. I take your energy. <laughs> it, it was actually just a cloud that gave her momentum. Right. The lightning bolt was after. I know the lightning bolt probably is like a thing throwing like, hey, I'm the daughter of Zeus. Let me touch it. So this is possible for me. Also, that lightning bolt yeah. went super slow for what it's supposed to go. So, Like them flying know. through the fireworks in a fighter yeah. jet? Yeah, that yeah. that was also yeah. kind of like... I, I get, the, I get they were trying to seats. do a moment, but, you know, you're not going to be... You're not even going to see those fireworks. Yeah. I think the realistic thing of yeah, the fireworks would have been when they were above the clouds. That's kind of more realistic of seeing, like, all the lights and stuff, more so than flying through it. But I guess, hey, invisible plane. When I, when I saw that in the commercial and stuff, I'm like, oh, there must be like some ride and they're at the carnival having a great time. <laughs> it's like, no, they're in a fighter jet flying through fireworks. I'm like, oh, okay. That's not possible, but okay. Yeah. A fighter jet, mind you, that's flying all the way from D.C. With, to Egypt. With side-by-side side seats. Yeah, okay, well, side-by-side like side seats do, do exist on fighter jets. It's an FY. What fighter jet? You can literally look up pictures of side by side seating fighter jets. They only exist in like bombers, like no, the V no, two. No. no, no, like <laughs> no, no. There is no, no, no American fighter jet that has side by side. Oh, it's a, I literally saw. I see an image of not, not well, from no, no, the Wonder no, no, no. movie. Not an image of that. She uh she turned it invisible. That was clearly explained. Right. Well, yeah, I was gonna get into clearly it. Clearly explained <laughs> in the movie. Right. With the coffee mug, game. right? <laughs> right. Doing a little air bending kind of magic there, and just because uh, we're going to take the magic that has hidden the mascara for millennia, and we're just going to lose a coffee cup with it. <laughs> yeah, I again, yeah. So uh, look, uh, we more or less hit the points that we wanted to bring up. I'm just going to open up to the floor. Any anything you want to say, vents, praise about the movie? Uh, I think we should maybe spend like one second talking about how the movie initially came out within the first day was certified fresh. They announced they're making a third one based off that. And now within like the first week that oh, things yeah. are starting to fall back off, it's like not even certified fresh anymore. Like everything's dropping. For the yeah. Movie. So for those of you who like, like I'm a big movie buff, so I follow all this stuff um, and I follow other pundits and I watch all this stuff. So what happens with Rotten Tomatoes is there are now certified like critics people that are you know reviewers and critics who have a taste for this kind of thing and are certified they put up their reviews and the problem is of course usually in a regular non-pandemic world what happens is uh they have a premiere a bunch of the critics go to see the premiere there's an embargo date so everyone probably a, usually a week later so all the reviewers can get their uh, written or video reviews ready and when the embargo date drops, they drop the reviews and everyone sees the scores. Now, usually that's anywhere from like 50 to 70 reviewers dropping their scores. And Rotten Tomatoes is uh, it, it, it's an aggregate for all those reviews. And so usually, again, in a non-pandemic world, uh, those numbers get added up and they average out. So, you know, oh, that's sort of, it's fresh. It's like 70% or higher or whatever. I forgot the thresholds. But when it's certified fresh, that's an extra level where uh, Rotten Tomatoes is uh, very certain that that movie will not deviate very much from that number. So I think it's like 80 or 85. So if you hit 80, 85, you're like certified fresh and you're not going to drop to like 50 or 40, you know, not like 10 other or 20, 30 other good critical reviews 
are just not going to drop your score. They, they're that confident. Well, the problem was with uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is uh, it's out in theaters. And the majority of us know we're in lockdown or wherever the case may be. We can watch it on HBO Max. Um, but it is still actually out there in theaters. Um, the, when the embargo date dropped, only like eight, nine people uh, put in critical reviews that is recognized by Rotten Tomatoes. And though they were very positive, they were in floating in the 80s, 85s. Based off of that, Rotten Tomatoes was like, oh yeah, that's certified fresh. But then the streaming date dropped later and then everyone was like, oh, actually this is, you know, this is more like a 60, more like a 40, it was more like a 30. And the ratings went from 80, 85 certified fresh to I think they're just hovering above the 60s now um, as of this recording. So yeah, it, it wasn't a good look because um, Warner Brothers, usually when you have like a, a franchise and a trilogy, it's kind of baked into the contract you first sign on the first one. So on the first Wonder Woman, they're like, look, if you meet these thresholds, it's critically acclaimed, uh, it uh, makes this much amount of money, whatever the case may be, you're like, that opens the floodgates to do the second or the third movie where you then sign another contract. So again, the pandemic really screwed things over because normally if this movie opened up in the public, the movie theaters, this probably could have hit, you know, 500, 700 million dollars. Those are bonuses that Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot could get. So because I obviously didn't open to all 4,000 plus theaters that are in the U.S., um, it didn't hit those numbers. I think it only made like 12 million in the first weekend. Um, again, only like half the theaters are open. Everywhere else it's in lockdown. Um, so those contracted numbers that they were signed two years ago, three years ago, when they said, hey, we'll do 1984, um, those don't matter anymore. So Warner Brothers, the executives literally said, oh, certified fresh, a lot of good reviews when there's only like 10, 10, 20 good reviews. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll green light this third one for you. And then <laughs> then all the other reviews started to come in and the, the score, average score started to drop and we're now again, hovering about around the 60s. So yeah, this is uh, interesting because uh, usually you don't have this, this is a very um, unusual circumstance. You don't have this kind of scenario happen or play out, right? You kind of have to wait till all the money comes in or all the reviews come in before you make a, any financial future decision, so my spiel there any thoughts i would have to agree that they rushed uh green lighting wonder woman 3 now i love wonder woman and i'm am a little disappointed by this movie um but you don't rush into something like as large as wonder woman 3 with 10 reviews under your belt and you say yeah, here's this much money. Go make it. We're doing this based off of 10 reviews in a very unnatural circumstance in the world where not even, what, like 25% of the theaters are even open across the United States. So to green light something like that with as huge of an audience and fan base that you've built under that brand and name, that's really irresponsible. And that's a terrible thing to do. I think this is just going to give DC a horrible, horrible time now trying to get movies out, though. They tanked so hard with this movie, but Wonder Woman did very, very well. The first one did super good. Um, you know, she's like I said, Shazam and the other ones have done well. So 
they had the reputation. Sam was actually really. Oh well, yeah, they had this. They yeah. had the reputation that now building proper movies, they were doing really well. Now we have this one. Uh, this movie should have stayed in 1984 for what it's worth. I should never have come out of that time frame. Should never have I been really released. I really want to know what was going through their heads for this entire movie. Like, I really want to know. Like, is this actually what you had planned out for this movie to be originally? Like, I feel like if we get the answer to that question, we could probably critique it a little bit better or have different opinions or whatever. But I have a feeling this is not really what they intended to do. Ah, uh, well... All. Either way, this is the product that we get, right? And so we yeah. gotta review and critique it as we see it. But then um, I have to live with the fact that there's no Snyder cut for it. <laughs> well, the the big the big thing too, guys, is just uh, look. The thing that really makes this like very difficult is that Patty Jenkins was hailed for the first one, and they everyone was singing her praises, and now this one. You know, for the most part, people were just middling about it. You, you're, there's all over the spectrum. You either love it, you hate it, or you're in the middle. And most people are towards the middle and then not really are more disappointed in it. Look, there, everybody has a bad day at the office, right? And unfortunately, some directors, they just have some bad movies. And this might be her bad movie. Or this could be a sign that she just had one great hit. You know what I mean? So... Everyone's kind of wary because she has other franchises at the helm. Um, you know, I'm going off tangent here, but it's like she's doing the next Rogue Squadron movie for Star Wars. Right, say Star Wars, yep. So Star Wars fans are a little concerned now, right? Because they're like, uh, you know, I wanted a TV series for Rogue Squadron, but I get a movie, fine. Patty Jenkins is directing. I'm okay with it. Now they see Wonder Woman 84. They're like, uh, maybe not. Maybe not anymore. I'm not happy. So look, the Lost fans were all fickle. I'll explain. I'll, I'll admit to that. But, um, yeah, it's just going to be it's like, a very interesting move that Warner Brothers did. Like, the very first Wonder Woman, I think they had they had the, the first one was a very classy, like, the Wonder Woman. It was like an empowered, classy story. Wonder Woman movie, right? Is is what it was, should have been. And now, <laughs> I read a review last night. It was, this is the Alice in Wonderland of superhero movies. <laughs> just ignores <laughs> all common sense and has, like trying to explain it with all this like scientific stuff but it ultimately fails and then it just sucks and you know it, it, was, it, it was like told by a six-year-old or something like that <laughs> it's just... yeah yeah oof, oof, oof. um i think we hit all the other points um but if there's anything else you guys want to chat about uh, the floor is open i mean just to kind of wrap up my entire thoughts on the thing i mean if I was to put a tagline on my own personal review, this is a movie I really wanted to like, but ultimately couldn't. Yep. That's a good tagline. So for you, it should have just they been Spider-Man 84? No. No, that scene should have been <laughs> uh, burned on the cutting room floor. <laughs> I, I maintain the stance that I had before even seeing this movie about DC is that uh, they're on top of their game when it comes to animated releases but their live action is sorely behind which is the inverse of what marvel is right now marvel is killing it in the cinematic department but their animated stuff is lagging behind dc so that i mean the status quo has been maintained with this movie really nothing has changed for me i don't i don't understand why why these animated movies do so well and if they don't because obviously the people who make the animated ones know what they're doing with dc 
why don't they bring these people on? <laughs> like, I, I, I could please be wrong. get them to get the get them to collaborate in some shape or form, like the writers at least. Right. I was so, say, I, something. Something. I think the, the answer to that question of why they're so good is because of uh, I think it's Paul Paul Dini and Bruce Tim. Like they've been working ever since the like 1990s Batman animated series. They've been involved with DC animation, movies, TV, everything. They're like the consistent driving right. force. They're almost like the Kevin Feige of the DC animated universe. If they just if the, if the the directors and the writers just ask them for their creative opinion on these live action movies, and what they think in terms of what a DC movie should be like, if it maybe kind of encompasses like some parts like of the animated one. Obviously, it's an animated versus a real life action one. So, I mean, there's that there is that difference, but you know. Would it feel like a DC? Would it feel like, you know, a Superman movie? Would it feel like a Wonder Woman movie if we did this or that and then collaborated with people like them who know, who have been working on these DC thing like films for so long, right? Or getting someone, maybe not them, maybe someone just in general who knows more, like a lot more about DC to help to storytell it more than anything. Because story, like the CGI is one thing, but the storytelling is the bread and butter of any movie, right? So. No, without a story, there's nothing. Uh, Salah, any uh, last things? Oh, uh, I was just gonna say that I did just want to reiterate because uh, we were talking about like Patty Jenkins and like her stuff, like you know maybe Bad Day or she like had a one hit wonder or whatever. Like she did say that she uh, originally planned some of these scenes to be for theaters for the most part. So I just wanted to reiterate that. Um, but yeah, they definitely need, like Hydra said, they need to like bring in like people that know what the hell they're doing and like what they're talking about, how to properly write it. And even if they can't fully work on it, just be like, Hey, can you give us your creative opinions on this? And like, maybe give us some criticism on like how we can change it and like, or how it can sound like better so that people don't hate it. Yeah. All right um lethal any last thoughts i think for me the only thing is uh that i have is uh i hope for the third movie if it ends up happening is that we have her use less lasso um have her <laughs> introduce the sword and shield that i saw from what was it um batman vs superman i think she brought in um like just bring bring that i want to see that for part three and then uh make sure she's flying i want to see like some flying wonder woman not like leaping you know Jumping off lightning bolts with the the lasso, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like they threw right, a rom cool. well, into Wonder Woman, especially that last scene where she runs into the dude that Steven. Yeah. Which, by yeah. the way, like, which, by the way, yeah, really like that'd have been cool for I guess up. a TV show, right? <laughs> what What are the moral implications of sleeping with someone who's possessed? <laughs> I'm just I'm just asking for a friend. Imagine if at the end she's walking away and he just realizes, whoa, I tapped that. <laughs> like, whoa. Wait a minute, you look familiar. Oh, oh wait. Uh-huh. She, she had, like, no care either. Like, she was just like, yeah, it don't matter. Steve's back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Uh yeah, I think we were talking about that while we were watching it. We're like, uh, what? Is, Where's there, she, uh, is she cheating or is she really there or well, you know? So, either way, uh, look, uh, this is just our impromptu. We decided to just sit down and talk about it because we had a lot to say. 
post watching it we're like let's just hey, make a review let's talk about it so hopefully all you guys enjoyed it i know it's rather lengthy but uh if you did enjoy it you know hit that like button let us know in the comments because if this is something that you want to hear more of this is something we'll definitely do because we all oh, enjoy yeah, we movies could, we, we could do movie reviews all day like it's fun to talk about movies yeah exactly so you guys let us know um anything else you guys want to say before we sign off here last thoughts can we watch a better movie next time yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we will review Sharknado. No, stop. No, 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 no. And, no. Uh, I never seen one you'll before. Have, I heard it's good. You don't want have to. Have an excellent. <laughs> you'll want to oh, delete yes. the you'll internet. Have an excellent you upcoming. Games. You'll, you'll, you'll. Five nine gamers. If, if you thought Wonder Woman CGI was bad, oh, you're in for a treat. Oh, if we're talking about bad CJ, let's go watch Godzilla: Final Wars. Oh, Jesus. oh dude april fool's day five nine we're gonna be we're gonna be doing a full-blown movie review for dragon ball evolution oh, I'm in. <laughs> okay you know what now i'm done i'm out bye and the, the video in terms of wonder woman patty jenkins did say just two more stories that become the completion of this story so there is two more that she has uh, planned <laughs> and, and she's like she said it's yeah. all about women stepping in as women and i'm all for you know the, the women being empowered and all that kind of crap right like that's awesome but this movie sucked i don't think she needs to be directing the next one for a bit <laughs> i'm just saying well we'll, we'll we'll see how the development of uh one woman three and all that yeah, tails out so Alrighty, guys. Thanks a lot for watching. Appreciate it. We'll catch y'all next time. Uh, Alec Hunter, Lethal, Nazirachi, Sly, Hydros, and myself, Nolar. Thanks a lot. We'll catch you next time.